there's more to this life than I thought. And James inspires me. The things he says have encouraged me. It's like there's a walk, there's a path, and it's leading to something more real than I've ever known before, and it's exciting. I get around James and I hear things that help me in my life, my work. This work he talks about has become my work. I am excited about the possibility that other people could be affected, other people could be inspired to work on themselves, to grow, to, to realize there's more to this life. So since in the Light Podcast we talk about developing both sides, it's probably a good idea to expand on this idea. So we'll talk about that this morning. This work says that we must get knowledge of our being through self-observation if we wish to change our being. Well, the thing is, is we all wish to change our being. What is it that you're being? Well, I'm being unhappy or I'm being successful or I'm being unsuccessful or I'm being wishy-washy or I'm being strong or I'm being weak or I'm being sad or I'm being elated. Okay, and at some point we all wish to change our being, to expand our capacity to be. Being is a funny thing. It's very difficult for us to understand being because we don't have much experience of being. When we're as proud, as arrogant, as vain as modern man is today, He doesn't have a lot of understanding, and he doesn't have a lot of understanding because he doesn't have a lot of being, and he doesn't have a lot of being because he doesn't know himself. So now, you see, we have these three things. We have knowledge, knowing, and we have being, which is being, and being is not just existence. Let's think about being for a moment. There's the being of a human being. There's the being of a woman and the being of a man. There's the being of a child or the being of an elderly person. There's the being of a rock and the being of an ant. There's the being of a dog and the being of a cat. Okay, so there are different kinds of being. And then there's the being of the creator, his endlessness, divinity, divine being, whatever people choose to call it. We don't usually think of being in that way. If we did, we would not behave toward other beings the way we behave. And how do we behave toward other beings? Well, essentially, we behave toward other beings with violence. And we rationalize it and justify it by saying they deserve it or that's what they're for or whatever. But the fact remains that because we have knowledge and we have being doesn't mean we have understanding. And when the work talks about the two sides of man developing together, it's talking about the knowledge side of man and the being side of man. And unless the knowledge side of man and the being side of man develop together, we become lopsided and we have unpleasant evil manifestations due to the lopsided nature of how we have developed. Now, if you look at our world today, you will see that we worship, we thrive on, we sell, we make a business of knowledge. It's the information highway. We have the World Wide Web, and now we have access to all of this knowledge. And what has it changed in the being of our planet? Well, it's worse. The being of our planet is worse. We know our planet as a being is sick. We know that even though people don't want to admit it, that we're destroying the ozone layer, that our use of carbons is creating problems for the being of the planet. We know that deforestation, we know that destroying the rivers and the oceans, that polluting them is making our, the being of our planet sick. But we don't think about the being of a planet because we're so arrogant. We only think about our own being. 
and we don't recognize being as anything other than existence. We say, oh yes, well it exists, yes, the planet exists, so therefore it has being. But we never understand it in a fuller way. We never understand it in a deeper way until we do. Some people do, but most people on our planet do not because knowledge has outpaced being in development because we worship knowledge, but we don't have a clue about being or very little clue about being. As we are, the degree of knowledge that we ascribe to ourselves keeps us in bondage to false personality. We ascribe a tremendous amount of knowledge to ourselves. If we were to ever get a glimpse of the disparity between what we think we have and what we actually have, we would be appalled. We'd be stopped in our tracks. It would be a conscious shock. It's a conscious shock you can give yourself. This is why I talk so much about realizing your nothingness. And this is why I talk so much about this is the practical side of this work. You've got to realize your nothingness. You have got to come to the place where you become comfortable with not knowing because then you can stop making all this stuff up and filling your head with useless facts, calling it knowledge, and thinking that it's going to somehow make you or the world or your life better. In other words, that it's going to change your being. Knowledge alone cannot change your being. It takes more than that, a lot more than that. We can't change our being without knowledge, but we have to have first knowledge of our being. That's not the knowledge that people are out there getting. They want knowledge of who's going to, you know, what stock's going to do better in the stock market, what's going to happen here, how can I make more money, how can I sell this, how can I get that. It's not knowledge of their being that they're after. The four square of this work is knowledge of your being, self-remembering, non-considering, and non-identifying. Those four things this work is built on. Knowledge of your being, self-remembering, non-considering, and non-identifying. If you have those four things in place, you can progress in this work. If you do not, if you start to remove one or another of those things, you may as well nail a foot to the floor and go on a race because all you're going to do is run around in circles. And it will be painful no matter how much fun you think it is, no matter how dizzy it makes you. Our being spans the influence of laws from 12 to 96 orders of laws. This is so theoretical and obscure, it's difficult to deal with it. But let's just say that your being is big enough that it exists under 12, 24, 48, and 96 orders of laws. So your being, if you took your being to four corners, where the four states touch, where four states touch Arizona, Colorado, uh, New Mexico, and Arizona, they call that four corners. And you can actually go and they have a little plaque there and you can stand and there's like a little circle where you can stand there and you're standing in four states at once. Your being is like that. It can be under all those laws at once. But you see that there, there are different parts of your being under different laws. And this is important to know. The worst spot in our being is under 96 orders of laws, under the most laws. Where do you suppose the worst spot in our being is? What do you think the work would call the worst spot in our being? Diana rocks. She says, negative emotions. So essentially then, the worst spot in your being is going to be the negative part of the emotional center. And for us, that means the emotional center because our emotional center is, for all intents and purposes, negative. It entertains and has predominantly only negative emotions. And it needs to be purified. It needs to be cleansed of those negative emotions. And it needs to be taught 
not to return to them like a dog returns to its vomit. Negative emotions are a sign of low being, while the capacity to bear unpleasant manifestations of others reveals a higher level of being. Now we know something about our being. We know that we can have lower level of being or a higher level of being. So we know that our level of being is flexible. It can change. And we know that a low level of being can be observed through the manifestation of negative emotions. We know that higher levels of being can be observed and calculated, categorized, through the ability to endure the unpleasant manifestations of other people. Think about it. What makes people negative? Other people. So when you can endure the unpleasant manifestations or the negativity or whatever of other people, then already you can see that something had to change in your being. Somehow your level of being had to be raised so that you were no longer in the worst part of your being. Does this make sense so far? Good. I like it to make sense because this work does make sense. It makes a lot of practical sense. Ordinary being lacks unity and harmony between the different centers or the different functions. What that means in the real world is your thinking and your feeling functions are not harmonized. You feel one thing, but you say another. You say one thing, but even in your thinking function, your thinking center, even what you say, you don't really mean emotionally. You don't really have any emotion behind it, even there. Even in that center, the different parts of that center don't agree, are not in harmony. But if you can get the parts of a center in harmony, you still have the parts of that center to harmonize with another center. And this is not our condition. Ordinary being, our ordinary being, the ordinary being of people on this planet, lacks this unity and harmony between the centers so that you can't think and feel together. You think and feel separately. You think one thing and feel another thing. Or you feel one thing and say another thing. Or you think one thing and say another thing. As we gain knowledge of our being, we become more objective, bringing unity to the multiplicity that we now are. The problem is, it's not that easy to gain knowledge of our being because knowledge is elusive in that just because you know something doesn't mean you can do something. Unfortunately, because imagination satisfies all centers, you can imagine that because you know, you can do. This is why I've mentioned in the past the Darwin Awards. People who imagined, they imagined they knew something and they imagined they could do something. And then they end up taking themselves out of the gene pool, for which we may or may not be grateful. Then they end up winning the Darwin Award for getting themselves out of the gene pool. And that may be something that, to which you, you know, wish to attain, but it's not for me. So I'd just as soon actually know that I don't know. I'd actually rather take the hit of knowing that I really don't know, that it is just imagination, that I'm not really as smart, as clever, and as wonderful as I thought I was. That's a terrible blow, but it's a lot better than getting awarded a Darwin Award, in my opinion. So it's all relative. It's just how you look at it, how you decide to perceive it categorize it. Now the problem is is that gaining knowledge of our being makes us more objective and brings about a unity of being, but it can't happen unless we make effort from a place genuinely ourself. Now, this is a difficult concept for us, a place genuinely ourself. Well, what does that mean, a place that's genuinely yourself? 
Well, what it means is it's a place that's not genuinely your mother. It's a place that's not genuinely your father. It's a place that's not genuinely the boss or not genuinely the servant or genuinely the wife or genuinely the husband, but genuinely yourself. We all know that we have acquired different parts of our personality, that whether you like it or not, part of your mother manifests through you. Part of your mother's personality manifests through you. Part of your father's personality manifests through you and has actually become part of your acquired self. And so there are people who go around saying things and doing things that their mother said and did, and they don't know that it is their mother, part of the mother's personality that they acquired that is doing it through them. They think it's them. So they think that's genuinely their self, and it's not. Let me give you another example. One of the the things that have happened here is that people have done things because I do things. I meditate, so people meditate or pretend to meditate. I am a vegetarian, so people think, oh, well, that must be what you have to do. And so they become vegetarians either in form only or in imagination only. In other words, when they're around me, they don't eat meat. But when they're not around me, they eat meat. And this happens. It happens because we're not genuine. You see, we're not doing it from a place that is ourself, genuinely. We're doing it from a place of wishing to please someone else, wishing to, whatever reasons, you, can, you know all the reasons. You've done it, you know the reasons. I have a hard time with this because it's difficult for me to behave that way. It's a great thing about being the guy who everybody else is looking to like he's the one because you're not looking to them like, well, I should be doing what they're doing. I look at what you're doing and I go, well, I shouldn't be doing what you're doing. (laughs) Unless I want my life to look like your life, I don't want to be doing what you're doing. So I'm not doing what you're doing. But for you to say, well, then all I have to do is do what you're doing and then my life won't look the way it looks. Well, maybe if you can do it from a place that's genuinely yourself. It's difficult because you really have to have a taste for this. You really have to be able to taste this. And to be able to taste this, you have to get it in your mouth. And of course, I'm not talking about putting something in your mouth. I'm talking about internally. I'm talking about psychologically. You have to be able to really digest this, internalize this. You have to have some experience of this. If you imitate me, the I in you that represents me will have the power and you will be left with blame and resentment. Now, does it sound familiar? If you imitate your father or your mother or the president or the teacher or whomever, then what gains through that imitation is that I in you, not you. So it's important to act from what is genuinely yourself, not an imitation of someone else. That's what I'm trying to get across. It's difficult until you get it. The minute you get it, it's like, oh yeah, that's simple. But it doesn't come, it doesn't come across that easily. It's not something it can be shared that easily. It can fall in the wrong place very easily. So to guide it to the right place, to get it into the slot, can be very difficult. So we must work ourselves from ourselves. So we have to do this work ourselves, but we have to do this work ourselves from ourselves. We can't do this work from Gurdjieff, from Ospensky, from Nicole, from Madame de Salzman, from this person or that person. We have to do it from ourselves. And that doesn't come easily. That's something that takes effort and takes knowledge of yourself. So in order to get that knowledge of yourself, you've got to observe yourself. And then working ourselves from ourselves is a matter of when do you do that? If you do that once a week, you're not even at the dock. So you're not even at the river. You're not even going to hear the whistle of the boat. You're not even going to hear it toot toot down the river. It's just not going to happen for you. You're nowhere near where you need to be because we work on ourselves from ourselves by transforming everyday events of life. 
through our own understanding. When do you deal with the everyday events of life? Well, every day. It means the common, mundane, ordinary, everyday events of life, not the spectacular events. It means that it's work in the trenches. It's not glorious work. It's work scrubbing here and cleaning there and getting your hand in the toilet and scrubbing it around and doing this and doing that and all the things you don't want to do because there's no real glory in that. In other words, basically, the work would say, you have to take the mechanical effects of life in a new way. Well, what are the mechanical effects of life? Everything. All of life is influencing us mechanically all the time. And the only way to get around that is to work it every day, to work it more and more all the time, to bring up the work all the time, every day, in every instance, when you're eating, when you're drinking, when you're walking, when you're working, when you're playing, when you're watching television, when you're doing whatever you're doing. And as you can see, that takes a long time because we're a long way from that. First of all, you would have to actually wake up once in a while in the day to do that. And you don't wake up in a day that often. Well, you imagine that you're awake all the time, of course. But the truth is, you don't really wake up in a day that often. Have you observed that about yourself? Well, this is good. There are some people who still have not observed that about themselves. They still imagine that they're really awake all day long. Oh, yeah, I'm awake. I know. It's crazy, but there it is. To know and to understand are different things. Ordinarily, for us, they're mixed. We don't understand that we can't understand and disagree. See, we don't understand that you cannot understand another person and disagree with them. It's impossible. Oh, I understand you. I just don't agree. No, you don't understand me. Because if you understood me, you would agree. But we don't get that. We think, oh, no, you're wrong. Your understanding tells you that I'm wrong, that I'm the one who doesn't really understand because you understand perfectly, but you just don't agree. What this work says is, no, that's not true. So you're not really disagreeing with me. You're disagreeing with what the work says, which, of course, is stupid when you think about it. You have two standards. You have the work or you have yourself. Now, we know what you can do. Your life is an example of what you can do. Your world is an example of what you can do. You are living on a dying planet. That's an example of what you can do. Now, when we look at that in reality as it actually is, what we can actually be counted on to do in our lives, which is pretty much screw things up, not understand, be negative, be violent. When we tell the truth about that, then we want a different standard. Then the work is valuable because the work is the standard. It stands in for us in the same way crutches and braces let me take an example of somebody who broke a leg or sprained an ankle or something, and they have the crutches and a brace or a cast to support them while they heal. And so the work is to support us in the same way while we heal until we can stand on our own. I'll explain more about that later. We do not understand being, yet we think we do. We've already taken the example of the being of stones and bugs and cats and dogs and the earth, so the different beings and divine being. And so that's a start of seeing that, well, okay, there's different kinds of being. But let's just take man. The work breaks man up into seven categories right off the bat with his being. It says there's the being of men numbers one through seven. This means seven categories of being. But then it's broken up again and again and again and again. There are finer and finer divisions because men numbers one, two, and three can be very different. The men number one, two, and three can be living under A influences completely. Or men number one, two, and three can be living under A influences and B influences. And that would be a different order of being, wouldn't it? Or perhaps he's living under more B influence than A influence. Or perhaps he's actually been in contact with C influence. Something of a completely higher order that is rare to us. All these states mean different levels of being. As a rule, we're unable to pay attention to being. And attention 
is almost all we have to work with. We don't really have will to speak of, so we have to use what we do have. And what we do have a little bit of is attention. We can pay a little bit of attention for a little while. Not long. We run out of force quickly. Look how quickly you leave these talks and how often you leave these talks. You know, how many breaks have you had already? I'm here for this one. I have to be here for this one. So I'll be here for this one, and I won't take any breaks. I'm not going to go on a lunch break. I'm not going to take a nap. But you will. You'll go on your little lunch break or your smoke break or your potty break or whatever your break, take your little nap, and then you'll come back. Maybe it'll be a little thought break, a little vacation in Bahamas or whatever, wherever wherever your mind takes you. Because you can't pay attention, because you don't have enough fuel to keep the attention fire burning. So it burns out quickly, and then you've got to go gather some more fuel, and then you can reignite it. And you can pay attention for a little while. But you can only do it for a little while. You know this from meditation. You know how very difficult it is to pay attention to your breath for just a little while. Just a number of breaths. How amazingly you can be counting your breath, and you'll find that you're counting, and you don't even know that you're breathing. You're just Now you're just counting. So your attention has shifted to just the counting and you've lost your awareness of your breath altogether. Or you're aware of your breath, it's an incoming breath, but you forgot what number you were on. Is this true for you? Because we lack attention. We lack attention because we lack fuel. We lack fuel because we have leaks and the leaks are from the mind being unruly and negative emotions, the negative part of the emotional center, which is the lowest spot in our being. That's a huge leak. It's like leaving all the windows and doors open with the heat going and it's 30 degrees below zero outside, and you wonder why the house doesn't get warm. Well, that's why, because Dad was right. What are you trying to do, heat the great outdoors? I don't know, maybe your dad didn't say that, but mine did. Still saying it now, and he's been dead for years. So there again is another example of, an illustration of, we don't know that we're not genuinely ourselves, that this is someone else speaking through me, being through me. A man given to lying, perversion, someone who's selfish and unreliable, can still, in our country, be a great scientist, a great artist, a great leader. And this is what I mean by we are unable to pay attention to being. We are unable to pay attention to being because we don't look at a person's being. We don't judge people by their being. This is where actor worship comes from. Why do you think so many people are in love with Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt? I know you're not, but whoever it is that you admire and worship and look up to, well, I don't worship any, okay, fine. Then be that way. You know, Don't look at yourself. That's okay with me. Justify yourself. That's okay with me. Stay the way you are. That's okay with me. Or sprinkle a little self-doubt on yourself and see what happens. Sprinkle a little doubt instead of justification. Sprinkle a little doubt on yourself and say, well, how am I like that? Okay, maybe I don't worship actors the way so-and-so does, the way a groupie does, the way a fanboy does, but do they influence me at all? Well, yes. Okay, that's what we're talking about then. We're not talking about how you're not like somebody. We're talking about how you are like that. We're not talking about how you can find ways to justify why you're not that way and you can stay just the same as you are. We're talking about ways to dig down deeper and find how you are that way, even if it's just one part per million. It's still not 100% pure. Being must grow with knowledge or we develop one-sided, and one-sided people do not go far. Ospensky said that understanding is the arithmetical mean between knowledge and being. So his example was 25. Let's say if you give your knowledge a number, let's say the number's 25. 
And if you give your being a number, let's say the number is 15. So 25 plus 15 is 40. But because you have knowledge in being, which is 2, you divide by 2. If you take 40 and divide it by 2, you'll have 20. That's the arithmetical mean between the two. So he says that understanding is the arithmetical mean between knowledge and being. The growth of only one of these numbers will not affect the mean that much. If your knowledge is 25 and your being is 15 and you raise your knowledge to 35 and your being is still 15, you haven't really increased your understanding that much. That's why the two need to develop together. We need to develop both sides together. And unfortunately, in our culture, in our society, we are extremely top-heavy. We are laden with so much knowledge and so little being that we could work in being for a long time and never worry about more knowledge at all. But what is it we thirst for more than anything else? More knowledge, because it's easier. People who understand one another must have equal knowledge and being. Only this gives the possibility of understanding. When someone doesn't understand you or doesn't understand me, what I know when someone doesn't understand me, if I have given everything I have to communicating, that that person does not share the knowledge and being that I have. That's the only answer for it. If you don't understand me, it's because you do not share the knowledge and being that I have. If you do understand me, it is because you do share the knowledge and being that I have. That's the only way one person can understand another person. They have to have equal or close knowledge and being. There can only be one understanding, yet people can understand things differently. How can this be true? It seems paradoxical, doesn't it? Seems like a contradiction. If there's only one understanding, then there's only one understanding. Well, then how can people understand things differently? Understanding is understanding of a part in relation to the whole. Okay, so if you understand this part in relation to the whole, then you have understanding of this. So a person who works on little wristwatches, who understands that this part relates to the whole because if this part isn't there and it isn't in place and it isn't properly set and isn't properly tuned and isn't properly turning, that the whole watch will not keep time. He understands how one part and another part are related to each other to make up the whole thing. We take our watches to people like that because we don't understand how the parts relate to the whole. The idea of the whole can be different in people according to their knowledge of being. For this reason, a standard is needed until we develop understanding. One person who has a watch looks at it and he says, I know what a watch is. It tells time. Mine even has the day and the date on it. Wow. It doesn't only just tell time. It tells the minutes, the hours, the seconds, the day of the week, and the number of the day of the month. Wow. I understand watches. Yes, But can you take it apart and put it back together? Well, no. Then your understanding is different, isn't it, than the understanding of someone who can. But I understand these parts of the whole. But what about the other parts of the whole? Well, the other parts of the whole I don't understand yet. Okay, then your understanding is lacking. But there is one understanding, and that understanding is a full understanding. That understanding includes that it tells me the day of the week, what number the month day is, what hour, what minute, what second. So it tells me all of that. So I understand that, but I don't understand the fuller understanding of how each little part inside that watch works with each other little part inside that watch to make it tell me all of the things that I do understand about it. And that's a fat lot of understanding. There are people who can't look at a watch and tell you all of those things. They don't understand that yet, but that's okay. They could if they got the knowledge and if they applied it to their being. So how could they apply it to their being? Through practical experience. Then they would have the understanding. Now, 
because our understanding isn't complete. We need something that represents a complete full understanding so that we know what to work toward. That's where this system comes in. Understanding of an esoteric teaching with understanding of everything in relation to the esoteric teaching makes the understanding of man number seven, which is the only full understanding there can be. Now, we could leave out man number seven, and we can just say, makes full understanding. Understanding the esoteric teaching, whatever it is, understanding the esoteric teaching, and then understanding how everything relates to that esoteric teaching. You see, your understanding of esoteric teaching is limited by how much of it you put to work in your actual ordinary everyday events. That's the difference. So why I'm sitting here talking to you about this is because I have put it to work in more areas of life than you have. So I understand it better. It's a blow to some people's pride and vanity. They don't like that. Oh, well, it is what it is. It's just like the watch. Well, I don't like the fact that it's one and a half minutes after 10. Oh, well, that's what it is. Here in our time zone, that's what time it is. But I don't like that. Well, then you get to not like that. But if you'd like to understand it, so you get to not like that, then you can disagree with me. Well, I don't agree with you. I think your watch is wrong. Well, I don't agree with you until the atomic clock in Fort Collins, Colorado tells me what time it is. I'm not going to agree with you. I'm not going to believe you. Fine. Then that makes my point. You cannot understand a person and disagree with them because understanding is full. So if you don't agree with a person, it's because you do not fully understand that person. You may think you understand what they're saying, but until you agree, you do not fully understand. Now, it does not follow that agreeing makes for full understanding. So don't try that one, you sneaks. You know, you people go, oh, yes, yes, I agree, oh, I agree. And that means then now you, you have the pretense of full understanding. It doesn't work that way. Since full understanding, which is the understanding of esoteric teachings with the understanding of everything in relation to those esoteric teachings is full understanding, there can be no other, only approximations of it. Violence is the antithesis to understanding. All violence has its root in not understanding another. It is impossible to be violent when you understand another person. It is impossible to be violent to that person, to behave violently to that person when you understand them. It is only through not understanding them that you can be violent. If you understand another, you cannot feel violent towards them because all violence has its root in negative emotions. Negative emotions don't lead to understanding. Negative emotions lead to violence. The more negative you are, the less you understand and the more violent you tend to be. We had someone here who said they pulled off the road to make a phone call. They were sitting in their truck and some person was coming down, some homeless type person was coming down the street. They had a shopping cart and they were raving. Just raving. As some people who, let's see, what do I want to say? Not balanced and developed on all sides. They have a tendency to rave and to say crazy things. Agreed? I mean, when you are not balanced on all sides, don't you have a tendency to rave and say crazy things? It's just that you're not pushing a shopping cart with all your stuff in it and you have a, an address, so that makes you better. Okay, well, that's fine. That's a nice distinction. I'm glad you can make it. I don't look at it that way. I look at it as, Unbalanced people are unbalanced people. We are unbalanced people. We all need to get balanced. And our degree of unbalance can be determined by how much violence we manifest in our lives. So anyway, this person who's sitting in the truck is just sitting there talking on the phone and blah, 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 and all of a sudden snaps, gets out of the truck, hangs up the phone, gets out of the truck, and starts charging toward this person with the shopping cart. 
screaming and yelling and going to do harm to them. It's like, and then the person in the shopping cart saw that this other person had come unhinged, this normal person who had an address and had a truck and had a job and had a phone and had all the good stuff could come unhinged too, could be just as nuts as you are if you're pushing a shopping cart and you're walking down the street ranting and raving about whatever. In other words, unbalanced is unbalanced, unhinged is unhinged, and it it is no respecter of persons. It is how it works. You can't be violent if you understand So the person then saw the violence coming toward them, understood something was going to happen to them and said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sick, there's something wrong with me and please don't hurt me. And the other person came to himself in that moment and went back to his truck, shaken, because he didn't know how close his violence was underneath the surface. Now, we may look at a person like that and judge them and say, well, that person can't be in the work, why not? Can you think of a better place for them? (laughs) I want them in the work. I want people like that in the work. Why? So that they can learn not to be like that. So that they can learn what makes them like that. So that they can do something about it and change their level of being and make this world a safer place for themselves and for us. Understanding is a positive thing. Misunderstanding is negative. It's not a positive thing. Some people love to misunderstand. And this is a result of loving negative emotions. People who love to misunderstand love negative emotions. They're addicted to them. Now, we're all addicted to negative emotions to some degree, and some of us are more addicted. Some people are more addicted to chocolate than other people. Some people don't even like chocolate. I know it's hard to believe for those of you who are thoroughly addicted to it, but it is true. Some people are actually allergic to it, like it, are allergic to it, but won't eat it. Some people like it, are allergic to it, and will eat it anyway. There's just all kinds of being in this world. Now, the thing about negative emotions is they're liars. In a negative state, everything is distorted bringing misunderstanding and violence. You can't trust a negative state. If you're negative, shut up. Don't argue. Don't try to understand. Try to see that you are negative. Try to step away from it. Anything else is a waste of time. Our hope for development is buried conscience, which can tell us when we're negative. If we learn to rely on these inner senses that this work gives us, this work develops in us, we can develop and we can create understanding. You have heard me say in the past that understanding is the greatest force that we can create in ourselves. And it's something that we need to create in ourselves. A man is not his size. A man is not his money. He is not his position in the world. He is not his birth, his strength, his prestige. He is not his distinction. He is his understanding. A man is his understanding. And like a cat that you drop from three feet, always lands on its feet, supposedly, a man will always land on his understanding. And if he doesn't have much, he doesn't have much to land on. And if he has a great deal, he'll always land on his understanding because a man is his understanding. To understand, we must learn to perceive in ourself the truth of a thing that has been taught. See, the knowledge I can tell you, but unless you can look and perceive it in yourself, you will not understand it. But being able to perceive in ourself the truth of a thing that has been taught, that has been shared, that leads to understanding. A man may know many things and never perceive the truth of any of them in himself. You know people like this. They got a head full of it, but they never see it in themselves. They know all about what's wrong with you and the world and people and how they need to fix it, but they don't see it in themselves. He will not understand. He won't understand what he knows, though he may be able to retain it and regurgitate it from his memory. How many people do you know? They'll tell you what to do, but they themselves will not do it because they cannot do it, because they have no understanding, but they have absolute total recall about what they know.
and they're excellent students. If you want an answer, they can fire one right up. But that's where it ends. The world will accept this, but the universe will not. He will not understand until he comes to know the truth of it in himself. The world will lay laurels at the feet of people like that. Because we don't notice being. We only notice these outer things. Size, money, position, birth, prestige, strength, distinction. All of these things we notice and pay homage to. But to being... We don't understand much about being. We don't notice being much. Our attention goes to the outer things. When knowledge combines with being, and being receives knowledge, if knowledge receives knowledge, if the intellect receives knowledge, that's dangerous. If it isn't mingled with being. If being doesn't receive the knowledge from the intellect, if being doesn't somehow receive the knowledge from the intellect that comes through the intellect, or through the emotional center, if, if you've got that going on, which most people don't, But if you've got that going on, if if being doesn't receive the knowledge, then the knowledge isn't transformed into understanding. Well, if it's not transformed into understanding, where does it go? Well, it goes to the wrong parts of us and feeds pride, vanity, imagination, and strengthens the very thing that is trying to kill us. Low being can receive little or nothing. Knowledge given to low being will be wrongly used and wrongly understood. Uh, how did Jesus say it? Don't cast your pearls before swine. They will trample them underfoot. Then they'll turn and rend you. And that is the whole thing. If you look at that's the whole thing right there. Low being will not pay attention to it. It'll trample it underfoot. It will not value it. It will not see it. It will not get any value from it. Then it will turn and rend you. In other words, it will then do violence to you because low being is always negative and violent. So he had it all dialed in, but we are so asleep, it's difficult for us to hear it through the stupor that we're in most of the time. Esoteric teachings stand in for buried conscience while we train ourselves in knowledge and being to gain understanding. Reacting with violence is the easiest thing. To understand is the most difficult. So when you react with violence, lighten up. It's easy to do. Don't hide it. Don't lie about it. Don't feel bad about it. Notice it. Observe it. See how it got there. See how it went away. See what it did. And make a note of that so that the next time you smell it coming, you recognize it and you can stop it a little sooner or maybe sidestep it altogether. When you get violent, you come to the limit of your being. That's what it means to be violent. What it means to be violent is you have come to the end of your being. You have no more being left. You've come to the end of it. You can't understand. So what's left is violence. Capacity for endurance is a sign of being. If you can endure the unpleasant manifestations of other people longer than you could before, it is a sign of you raising your level of being. Can you endure the unpleasant manifestations of others longer than you could before? Better than you could before? Then you have changed your being, transformed your being through this work. That's progress. That's what we're here for. That's what we're doing. Now, but I'm still violent. Well, yeah, so? But this person still irritates me. So? That's not the point. Who would be making that point and why? The only one making that point is false personality. And the only reason false personality is making that point is to stop you from continuing in the transformation process. But the fact is, is that you have the signs that you are transforming your being. And you have the signs that you still have a spot that's not very good, that's under 96 orders of laws. The negative part of the emotional center is still there. And you can still get negative. You can still go there. It can still squirt its stuff. Small being loves only itself, reaches its limit quickly, and then turns violent. Think about this. This is so clear when you think about it. In violence, we're totally asleep, having no understanding. So when you're violent, it's because you're totally asleep and you have no understanding. The person who got out of their truck and went violent after the other person, that person woke up right in the middle of it before he did anything to the other person. He woke up. 
That is the grace of this work, that he woke up there and stopped, went back to his truck. The more you see others in yourself and yourself in others, the more understanding and the less violence you have. The more you realize as a fact your own nothingness, the less violence you have. So you can go at this a number of ways. My personal way is I like to realize my own nothingness. I like to practice not knowing. I like to remind myself of that. That is a very strong tool for me. For you, it may be seeing yourself in another person or seeing another person in yourself. If that works for you, then use that. Use what works for you. Use them all. And if one doesn't work, try another one. And if you will do that, you will transform your being. This work does work if you work it from what is genuinely yourself. Often the practical application of these ideas sounds like it's going to be easy. The ideas sound great. When we actually run into a situation or a person who's being a little more difficult than we'd like, we find it's not as easy as we thought it was going to be. If you've hit a snag with some aspect of this work and its practical application in your everyday life, I invite you to write James at SolidRockVista.com. Sometimes a fresh perspective is all it takes to get us back on the right track.